0: You only have so many carers. You only have so much space. You only have so much fun. There's a point where you have to say no, especially in peak season when you're up to 30, 40 surrenders a day. And it's hard because you know sometimes you're sentencing them to death when the pound calls you to say, this one's due at the end of the day for euthanasia. And you have to say no. You know what the outcome is.
1: Like many of you out there, I have a very complicated relationship with my cat. I would say it's a love-hate relationship. She's a pain in the ass, let me just tell you that. She wakes me up at 5am every morning to be fed, yet as soon as I feed her, then she goes straight back to sleep, which of course I can't. She also has this ability to make sure that she always has to do a poo if I'm in the room and stares straight into my soul as she does it. And then when she is supposedly cleaning up the litter after herself, she just makes an even bigger mess. But all jokes aside, I know I often joke about the fact that I have a love-hate relationship with my cat and I call her a pain in the bum. I honestly love her so much. These past several months, I have been struggling a lot with anxiety and also with job loss and... It sounds crazy, but your pets honestly help you with your mental health so much. Plus, also, it's someone to talk to and someone to ramble to, rant to, which might sound crazy. I might be then the crazy cat dog lady, but I'm fine with that. I've had my cat Aurora now for about three years now, and I would never get rid of her. She's a pain in the bum and I swear at her when it's five o'clock in the morning and she wakes me up and has to knock every single thing off my bedside table and has to sit on my face <laughs> just so she gets fed. I still love her and adore her. And that's why when I spoke to Nikki Chapel, it was a struggle hearing the terrifying and unbelievable stories and experiences she's had at the charity Best Friends Felines. It's this charity that she founded where she helps rescue cats and kittens across the Brisbane region that have been surrendered, that have been mistreated, or that are strays. I myself have had experience fostering kittens. I only did it for a month. (laughs) But this woman here has done it for years, and she has brought together so many people to help foster so many cats and help them be able to find new homes again and I think that is just incredible, absolutely incredible. I did get a bit teary during this interview because some of the stories were very horrific and some of the stories were just beautiful and I hope you all can really enjoy this even if you're a cat person or not a cat person. I really think this is a very special story about what really is happening to all the cats, the mistreatment they're going through, and how there's so many laws that are actually preventing incredible people like Nikki from rescuing them. So this is my thoughts on the mistreatment of cats with Nikki Chapel.
0: When animals are dumped by their owner, their whole situation changes, their familiarity with the the person, with their home environment and that kind of thing. So it's hard to see their true personality when um, they're in a a sort of shelter environment. And sometimes they can be in in care for a long time. And I I don't think a cage is somewhere you want them in for an extended amount of time. So the family environment to me is best because they're living a great life. Because some of our cats have been in care for four to five years. Um, I'd hate to have seen them in a cage for that amount of time.
1: And you're the one that started Best Friends fear lines How did you get there to be foster carers to help you out?
0: It's just, it's hard building up a Facebook page and a, a rescue from ground up. But you just keep plodding away and, and we're always in need of new carers. Um, I was lucky that I had some good friends that started fostering for me and it built up from, you know, a couple of people, a couple of cats to to 100 carers and, and 260 cats in care. Um, some people come in and it's not what they think so they foster just one and then they never come back. Some have been with me for years.
1: You've started a few initiatives with this charity that you've started. One of them in particular I think is so great and is also going to help decrease unwanted kittens. You spoke about to me before this interview about the Last Litter programs. Could you talk about that a little bit?
0: The Last Litter program is an incentive. It's to help out the community because vet work is expensive and I know that better than anybody. So a female to sex is going to set you back quite a few hundred dollars. So people just sometimes can't afford it. What Our program is when the, the cat has a litter of kittens, you give us all the kittens when they're weaned and we will rehome them through us. Therefore, we do all the vet work. We know that the cycle stops with them and we will to sex mum for free and return it to the owner. So there are no more babies for that entire family.
1: And something else that you also spoke to me before we had this interview was you spoke about the Biosecurity Act and how it affects your ability in saving feral cats because legally you cannot touch them or you'll be fined. So what cats are you then legally allowed to save? And does this Biosecurity Act then need to change so you can then rescue feral cats?
0: I think the Biosecurity Act really ties the hands of rescue people. There are a lot of colonies all over Brisbane. um, And if you look up the act, it says they must not be moved. They must not be fed. They must not be given away. They must not be sold. Now, a lot of these colonies are actually made up of not your true feral cats. They are actually strays abandoned by their owners. It restricts rescues because we could go in and we could make a difference. We could cull the street population by just taking them into a rehab program and getting them off the street. The same could be said for TNR. And what exactly is TNR? Trap, neuter, return. It's practiced in many, many countries and proven to work. And that's just where you go in and you desex the colony so that no more new generations will be born. And therefore, the numbers of street cats will start to dwindle.
1: And do you know why exactly this hasn't been
0: brought into Australia? Not really. I think that the government can be quite ignorant to this kind of thing, which, you know, considering how many countries it's proven to work in, I don't understand it myself of why they would rather lay your 1080 base to wipe out the population And therefore, any domestic outside is going to get caught up in that. Wildlife gets affected by that as well. Um, So I'm not sure why this country just won't get on board with it. Mm
1: -hmm. And you spoke about the 1080 bait. Several months ago, numerous dogs died from baiting in dog parks across Brisbane. And I heard from numerous vets that they assumed the baiting was either rat poison or actually 1080. I would like to know your thoughts on this because it's interesting that this type of baiting is regularly used for pest control, in particular with feral cats. But yet several months ago, it was found in dog parks and actually killed, I think, more than 10 dogs.
0: If you read up on the 1080 bait, um, they very carefully word it to say that the toxin takes effect it. Disorientates the animal, then they become unconscious where they can't feel the pain of the poison coursing through their veins to kill them. But it also comes down to how much they can ingest. You know, if it's an animal that just had a little bit, you know, it's going to be a slow and painful death. To me, TNR will work so much better than laying 1080 days. It's a cruel and horrific death, and they can justify it however they like. But death by poison is death by poison, whether they're unconscious and not feeling pain in their wording to make them feel better about it or not.
1: Yeah, it's still cats losing lives, absolutely. And so many of them, as you said, are just, they were domestic cats, but then, yeah, they were just left behind. So when you rescue cats, what is normally the situation that you find them in? Is it people that are still there or they have left them behind? What normally happens?
0: Look, it's such a broad range. I mean, we take them from death row, that, that especially at this time of year, which is peak breeding season, and cats can pop out three to four litters over the next few months. So many end up in the pounds. So many are put to sleep every week across the country. If you do some research, you'd be quite staggered at the figures. So we can take from the pounds we work, with, pounds across the country, Um, A lot of owner surrenders, a lot of calls from neighbours that say the owners have just moved out and left their cat behind because pet-friendly rentals are so hard to come by these days that people just can't... And and it's the number one surrender reason to why people give up their pets is because I cannot find pet-friendly accommodation. So they just move and leave them behind. Oh, that's horrible.
1: And then the only reason you find out about it is that The neighbours say something, is that right?
0: That's right. Um, Sometimes we get calls from real estate agents because they've notified the real estate agent. Sometimes they just, you know, contact us because they just do a Google search and find cat rescue and just let you know. Um, Sometimes they call authorities like the RSPCA and that kind of thing. Um, But it's a frequent occurrence. It really is. That's horrible.
1: And the way I actually found you guys was through a Facebook post that one of your members posted up about Precious and how she and also numerous other cats were found at someone's house. Um, there was a hoarding incident. What happened there? Because that did cause a lot of stir across Facebook and across numerous Facebook
0: groups. Well, right now this situation with, that we're dealing with, it's it's kind of the backyard breeding slash hoarding situation because they're living in appalling conditions. You know, there's no bedding. There's no litter tray. They are living in inches of their feces and urine. And, you know, it's it's something that happens as frequently. People always hear of puppy mills, but they don't hear of kitten mills. And they happen just as frequently because cats breed so much more than a dog who'll go on to heat once or twice a year, whereas a cat will just stay in season consistently, pumping out litter after litter. And, you know, that post about Precious and all of the the other cats that we've taken from there so far, Um, somebody shared that post and it really upset me because I could see a comment on the shared post and it said, euthanasia is an option because all these cats need dentals and routine vet work and several of them are pregnant so we're, we're looking at 30 odd kittens being born in the next few weeks. And they said, that's so much more money that you could plug in and save four times as many cats. And it's like, but that's not what we're about. Just because they're going to cost more doesn't mean we euthanate. And that's something that happens frequently too when vets call us from all over the place and say, owners brought in the cat, it's got a tick or it needs this surgery or, you know, a recent one was the cat was having epileptic seizures for two weeks straight but they couldn't afford the test and the medication and that uh, was going to be euthanized. So that's when vets call us in. It's not about the money. It's about saving lives. And I can't put one life against 10 lives because they're all important to me.
1: So when you do come across places like that when there is backyard breeding and you just find animals that are just in horrific conditions, what's the then legal repercussions then for the people that have caused this for the animals?
0: Look, I know this one that we've been dealing with in particular. Um, Authorities have been on site twice. They've given a notice to comply. They go back and check, and then that's it. There's no follow-up as a surprise visit months later or anything like that or follow-through. So all the conditions just revert back to where they were. In a lot of these cases, the people don't see that they are doing any wrong. So it's... Barrel of negotiations and trying to convince them to hand over some or change the living conditions and that kind of thing. Like there, are your good breeders, there are your backyard breeders. They're very different things, and it often, sometimes, these people are just oblivious.
1: That's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. That that all they get is just a notice. That's just horrible. Because then they just get away with it, pretty much.
0: And and that's all animal cruelty in this country. Our laws are seriously a joke. The punishment does not fit the crime because they're just animals. They're Mm. just a cat. It's just a dog. And what is the deterrent when it's just a slap on the wrist? There's nothing. Yeah.
1: Recently this week, the... ACT has legally recognised animal sentience, meaning failure to groom pets, provide food, water, shelter, leaving nails too long, could actually mean criminal action. Do you think that's the best way to go in all states, that this is how maybe people can actually get some repercussions for being cruel to animals?
0: Absolutely, because these they might be animals. They might not be able to verbalise their pain like we do as humans but they feel pain, you know? They depend on us to provide them with the basic needs of food, shelter, love, water, vet treatment, and so many don't get that. I never understand why people get a pet and just tie it in the backyard, or just, it's part of your family. They feel, they need, they want, And until this country recognises that, and doesn't deem them as just a pet, but as a family member, things won't change.
1: So is that why you decided to make it a priority to have tough adoption processes? Is that why you decided to have that, just to make sure people really understand the commitments when they adopt a pet?
0: Absolutely, because if you adopt a cat, you can look at 20 plus years that you are responsible. This family member, my personal cat just turned twenty-one on the weekend, and they can have a long lifespan. I understand that sometimes circumstances change, but there are very few legitimate reasons to why animals are surrendered back to us. So we make our adoption process difficult because we don't want to send see the animal back in the system again. We'll be back in a
1: moment. But firstly, I wanted to talk to you about today's sponsor. The Nasty Woman Club is partnering up with Curvy Girl Markets. It's these incredible markets that will be selling new and pre-loved plus-size fashion going from sizes 12 up to 30. Everything from casual wear to bridal wear, from accessories to shoes. It's going to be a fabulous, fun day. And it's at Pannington on the 19th of October. So make sure you come along. And for more information, make sure you head to Kerbogon Markets, Brisbane on Facebook. Now, back to our episode for My Thoughts On.
0: Fostering can be hard work. Running a rescue can be hard work. There's a lot of heartache as you see them come in broken and neglected. Or you have the ones that come in that are just so not well and there's nothing you can do to save them and you have to let them cross the rainbow bridge. And it is also one of the best things you'll ever do with your life because it is endlessly rewarding. The positives outweigh the negatives.
1: Do you have any particular cats that you just remember their incredible journey that has always just, just stayed
0: with you? For me personally, there are a couple that spring to mind. I had a vet ring me um, one case in particular and um, they said we've got this cat brought in as a stray no chip, nothing, can't find owners and she came to me she weighed 1.8 kilos for an adult ragdoll female mm. who should be you know, around 4 to 5 kilo mark she was um, so mad we had to shave her down completely, it was just pulling out of fur and when we shaved it off she was full of saws underneath from the fur pulling at her skin her claws were so long they had curled around and were embedding into her pads so the pads of her feet were infected and sore and she found it hard to walk she was the sweetest little thing unfortunately she was in renal failure from um just pure neglect starvation dehydration and we did all we could and she lasted for about two weeks until we had to call it but you know I was having to give her fluids every day we put her on the drip when she first came in to try and flush the kidneys back into working but in 14 days that cat made such an impact on me it just broke my heart she was cremated and she was with me forever but um, there was another one that comes to mind and I got a call from the vet that a stray cat brought in with a kitten, and they said it's not good. You need to come in. So I went in, and there's these five little cherubs, only a few weeks old, with their mum. Mum's spine was shattered into, completely severed, mm. and she had these sores from dragging herself around, trying to look after her babies. There was absolutely nothing that could be done for her and she was on her last legs, but she had given all to look after those babies who were under undersized for their age, granted, but they were all healthy. But I knew that cat for all of two hours, and I held her in my arms as she crossed the bridge and promised to look after her babies. And it was a story that went viral because she had just get the, the photos tell the story with her too because of the sores and the spine which looked like somebody had brought down a shovel or a broom or something on her back to chase her away so it was just a clean break and she will touch me forever in two hours of knowing this cat just mm. what she endured to look after her little one and people say it's just a cat they have no feelings they don't think but they do and there are so many like that. And, and they were the losses um, that we couldn't save. And that's the heartache. And, and then we have the, the winning stories like Kenzie, who came to us from um, a vet up in Bundaberg, who said, we've had this cat. She was hit by three cars. We think she needs a tail and her leg amputated. Her spine is crushed. But we think, you know, she deserves a shot. So we brought her down to Brisbane. And we did surgery on the, the broken pelvis. She eventually got movement back in her tail and legs, so it did not need amputation, and she went on to be adopted. She cost a fortune, but she was worth it.
1: How do you deal with this, like, at the end of every day and just... Because this must be just so emotionally draining, just having to not only deal with, you know, you see such beautiful animals treated so wrong, but then you just repeatedly keep seeing a cycle of... People just still mistreating them. How do you deal with all that?
0: It's really hard and I think one of the hardest things in rescue is learning when you have to say no. You have to know your cut off points of taking them in because you only have so many carrots, you only have so much space, you only have so much fun. The point where you have to say no, especially in peak season when you're up to 30, 40 surrenders a day. And It's hard because you know sometimes you're sentencing them to death when the pound calls you to say this this one's due at the end of the day for euthanasia and you have to say no. You know what the outcome is and it's a hard process sometimes that you just have to try and put it in your mind that I need to focus on those I can save. I need to focus on the ones in care knowing that I can't take in the other ones. And it's hard and it's emotional and, you know, when we lose them, we mourn them. You know, carers say, I'm just so upset and I'm crying and I said, the day you stop crying is the day you should leave rescue because you've lost your compassion to do this because we love them like our own and saying no and, and picking and choosing who lives and dies is one of the hardest parts of my job and... You know, I'm lucky that I've got such a supportive family and a great team behind me in all my carers. And they're just that support that you need. If you say, I I can't do this anymore, it's getting too hard. Or, or, you know, I only did that last week with a girl we took from the pound. She, um, her owner, hacked her kitten into pieces. And somebody witnessed it and mum ended up in the pound because she was seized by authorities and they said, can you take this beautiful cat? She's due for euthanasia this afternoon. I had no carer. I quickly put a call out. I got a carer. We brought her down to Brisbane from Thunderbird and, you know, I'm just like, I can't do this. I I can't hear these stories of people hacking up these kittens into pieces because they're not responsible enough to sex their cat. But you just soldier on, you find your big girl panties, pull on your bitch boots and just go, I've got to keep going because I'm their voice. They don't have one. They need me to be their advocate. And it gives me the strength. And I have to look back at some of the winning cases where we've had these success stories. I have to look back at the hard cases and even though we were not able to save them, we know that they were guide in loving arms at the vet held by us whispering we're sorry we couldn't save you but there's so much more that we can do for cats by just soldiering on thank you so much
1: for listening to today's episode of my thoughts on with charity founder of best friends Lines, nikki chappell if you're interested in helping this incredible charity I would highly recommend going to the facebook page best friends felines there are many different ways you can support this charity they accept donations of cat food they're also having these fundraiser events including an upcoming bingo night and also if you can't afford to donate or go to these fundraisers just share the page share the information talking about the importance of de-sexing or the importance of if you're adopting a pet make sure you really do consider that this is a long-term commitment. If you want more information on The Nasty Woman Club, make sure you head to The Nasty Woman Club on Facebook, Instagram, and also the website, www.thenastywomanclub.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, make sure you give the show a five-star review. It'll be very much appreciated, and it helps other people find this podcast.